0: Greetings, City Campus, online campus, we're glad that you're joining us as well. Today we are on this Being Healthy series, what it means to be healthy as a Christian. And what we've been doing as a church over the last few weeks is we've been exploring um, this phrase by Jesus, which says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I, Jesus, have come that they may have life and they may have it to the full. And so we're exploring what does this full life mean in the different areas and spheres of our life. We've talked about it from a spiritual health condition. Last week we talked about it from a mental health condition. Today we're here to talk about physical health, physical health. Now, um, you may be familiar with the phrase, health is wealth, right? And what people are trying to say is that uh, sometimes and usually all the time, being healthy, having good health, is even more valuable than financially being well off. Would you agree? Yeah. And yet, whilst we all agree to that, health is a funny thing because it's something that we all don't really appreciate until it's gone. Isn't that true? Let me give you an example. I can almost guarantee us that when we woke up this morning, none of us took into consideration that we are thankful that you can just breathe normally. But right now, because I'm mentioning it, everyone is hyper <laughs> and acutely aware of just the ability to breathe. But you don't appreciate it until you get the cold, you get the flu, you get a blocked nose, you come down with COVID, and you realize, wow, breathing, <laughs> just breathing normally is such a privilege, amen? And then you don't, you don't think, about, think about the times that you get injured. About the ability to walk and to move normally to get from the car park to here, we take our health for granted until we're injured and we lose that in that moment. And health is such a funny and interesting thing because even as Christians, we take it for granted sometimes, we appreciate it sometimes. You know, one of the funniest things I heard about health was um, when I heard a pastor talking about how it's so ironic. That as Christians, we say grace, right? And have you ever heard um, this prayer when we say grace? Lord, would you bless this food to our bodies for our health? And we like to say grace before the most unhealthy things. <laughs> like we'll have KFC in front of our family, three piece nuggets, Coke on the side. Lord, would you bless this food to our health? <laughs> so ironic. And I don't know about you, but health is just really, really strange. As who can, okay, who here can identify with this? This is my this is my, my realisation that I'm getting older. As I get older, um, I realise that my health is deteriorating. And the reason I realise that is I get injured from really silly things. Um, I get injured not from going out and rock climbing, not from um, hiking a mountain, but I get injured from sleeping. <laughs> Does anybody relate to that? I, w- I go to sleep healthy and I wake up with a stiff neck. And I realize the whole day I'm affected because my health is just deteriorated to the, fe- to the fact that sleeping is an arduous activity for myself. And so health is just, it's just a really funny thing. We take it for granted all the time, and we don't prioritize it very well. It's something that, in the Eisenhower principle, I don't know if you've heard of that, it's something that we categorize as important, but it is not urgent. And the only problem is, by the time your health becomes urgent, usually it's too late. All right? And I'm willing to take a guess here that everybody already knows what it takes to be healthy. I'm not gonna be up here blowing your mind with new ways to get healthy this morning. Everybody knows that we need to eat well, sleep well, drink lots of water, exercise, move around. So we're not gonna spend time talking about those things today. I'm not here today to persuade us to go to the gym and drink green smoothies, but I want us to focus on what is it that the Bible tells us about physical health? And how is it that as Christians, we should view our health and our bodies in light of who God is? Is that okay? So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just lift this time up to you. This issue of our physical health, Lord, I pray that you would shine a light on it in terms of how you see it. Help us to see things the way that you do, and help us to use our health for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay. The first thing that we see that the Bible teaches us about physical health is that our physical health is a gift from God. It is a gift from God. Acts chapter 17, verses 24 and 25, it says this. The God who made the world, everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, he does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. So God is the giver of our lives and our health. And now some of you may be thinking, come on, this is not Sunday school. Tell me something I don't know, right? That's such a basic thing. God is the giver of life. Okay, I understand. But let me take a moment just to reflect on that truth. Because there are some subtle things that we need to capture about this um, that will help us to view health rightly. Because even a non-Christian can tell you your health precious. Your life is precious. And what they mean by that is they say, your health is precious because life is short. You have a short time, a temporary time here on this earth, so life is precious. And the result of that, the application of that is, therefore, make use of your life. Spend your life in the ways that you deem fit. The only issue with that is now how you spend your life, because it's precious, is totally up to you. Right? If you choose to waste it, it's your business. If you choose to take care of your health, again, it's your business. If you choose to spend your days away chasing sunsets and collecting seashells, that's your business. If you choose to spend your life pursuing money, career, that's your business. But here, as Christians, we believe that life is not just precious, but life is a gift from God. And what that means is that you receive your life in relation to the one who gave it to you, the giver who gives it to you. Life is not just precious for you to live how you want, but how we look at our life and our health is in relation to the one who gave it to us. Can anybody say amen? So how do we receive the gift of health? Well, the first thing that we must do is that we have to receive our health with gratefulness. Thank God for your health and enjoy it. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 15 says this, so I commend the enjoyment of life because there is nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of the life that God has given them under the sun. The Bible says that we should enjoy the gifts of being alive and being healthy. Church, Christians should be some of the most joyful people on earth because we recognise that our lives are a gift from God. You know, many Christians, we allow circumstances or anxious thoughts to steal our joy. And let's be real, because life can be genuinely hard. You can face genuinely difficult circumstances at times. But don't forget that what the Bible teaches us is that God's will for us in Christ Jesus is to rejoice always, to pray continually, and to give thanks in all circumstances. So church, do not allow the enemy to steal your joy. Life is a gift. Your health is a gift. Enjoy it. Have fun with it. You don't hear that in church very often. Okay, the second thing. The Bible teaches us that as we receive the gift of health, we are to take care of it. We are to steward it well in honour of the one who gave it to us. Right? Okay, now imagine for me. Let me paint you a picture. Imagine you had a friend's birthday coming up, right? And so you decided... For your friend, we're going to get this friend something really special. So you get together with some other friends, you pull together, and you say, you know what? Let's really spoil our friend, and let's get them something really good. You chip your money together, you organize, you plan, and you say, you know what? We're going to get them the latest iPad. So you get them the latest iPad, and their birthday, um, their birthday party comes along. Now here comes the epic moment where all your friends come together, you have your, your present neatly wrapped, you give it to, to your friend. And then, as your friend receives it, you look at their face, and there's no smile, there's no joy, there's no thankfulness, they just casually take it. And then, even worse than that, they, they just pocket away, just as if it's something that they've owned for the last, you know, three years. You're a little bit perplexed, you're a little bit put off. Now. A few weeks later, you go over to your friend's house, and to your horror, you find that this iPad that you and all your friends have chipped in together to give is now covered in cracks. The screen is cracked in multiple places. The camera lens is falling off. It hardly even turns on. And now, how would you feel in that moment? How how would you feel? I would gather that you're not feeling very good, all right? You're feeling like, wow, really, really? This is how you're going to treat the gift that I have given you. If you're going to feel that way about something as material as an iPad, how much more should we as Christians take care of the gift of health that God has given to us? Christians should not just be some of the most joyful people alive. We should actually be some of the most healthy people alive. Can anybody say amen to that? So take care of your health. Don't abuse it. Do all the things that you need to do. Fix your unhealthy habits. Establish your healthy habits. Make sure you get enough sleep. Make sure you're eating well. Substitute that Coke out for a water once in a while. Go get your exercise. If you wanna go to the gym, drink your green smoothies, go ahead and do it. But don't do it just because you want to look good or feel good. Do it because you want to honour the God who gave us our health, amen? Now, here is something that I want to be able to address as we talk about the gift of health. Um, Did you know that God's desire is for your good health? Yes? Okay, now, I sense a little bit of discomfort in the room. The reason I say that is because we, some of us, have been so warned against the prosperity gospel, right? Health and wealth, that's what God desires for you, health and wealth. And so you've, you're so triggered by it that you do not even dare to believe that God is for your good health. But did you know that that is actually biblical? The Bible says it. Let me show you, all right? In Proverbs, it tells us that the fear of God and the wisdom of God are for our good health. Let me read you some passages. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Now catch this. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 and 22, it says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. And the reason for that, he says, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's body. I just want to be able to clarify for us today, perhaps some of us here today have been so hyper-aware of the prosperity gospel that we have begun to believe a lie that God is not about our good health. But church, let me clarify for us the truth this morning. The Bible says God is for your health. We can be set free from that wrong thinking this morning. Is that okay? Is that okay? Okay. So the first thing that we learn about physical health, amongst other things, is that Physical health is a gift from God to us. The second thing that we learn is that how we use our health is our offering to God. How we use our health is our offering to God. You see, church, our bodies are the vehicle by which we honour and glorify God. Every thought, every action, every motive, every desire has to be actioned through your body. And therefore, it is important that we recognize that the bodies and the health that is given to us has been given to us for a purpose. Amen? Deuteronomy chapter 6, chapter, uh, verses 4 and 5 says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your strength. This is the Shema. The Shema is a daily prayer that the Israelites would pray to remind themselves of this truth that we are to love the Lord our God with everything that we have, including the strength and vitality of our bodies. And this idea is echoed again in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. You know, as Christians, we recognize that our bodies are no longer our own. Amen? Anyone resonate? They now belong to Christ. They have been repurposed for God's use and God's glory. You know, you may have heard it said before, right? That person or this person treats their body like a temple. And when People say that what they're usually trying to allude to is the fact that that person takes care of their body. They do everything to take care of their body well. But let me ask you this question. What is the purpose of a temple? What is the purpose of a temple? Is it to make it look pretty? Is it to keep it clean and tidy? Is it to decorate it beautifully with beautiful decorations and intricate woodwork? Is that the point of a temple? No. The true purpose of a temple is to worship the God that can be found in it. And therefore, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The God that can be found in us is the Holy Spirit. And therefore, our bodies and how we use them should reflect the glory of the God who lives inside of us. You know, just like the churches, if you think back... 20, 30, maybe even 50 years ago, the churches and the cathedrals of old, they tried to reflect the glory and the beauty of God by having amazing architecture, stained glass windows. They tried to have a sense of beauty to them to reflect the God that could be found in them. How much more should we, the temples of the Holy Spirit, the true church, not the building, the people. Reflect the glory of the God who resides in us. Does anybody say amen to that? Romans 12, uh, verse one, says this. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So church, this morning, How is it that we are to offer our bodies back to God? How do we offer our bodies back to God like it says in Romans 12? Well, let me put forward to you two suggestions. The first one is this. We offer our bodies back to God by exercising self-discipline and self-control over our bodies. 1 Corinthians chapter nine says, so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one who is beating the air, but I discipline my body I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. You know, church, we live in a culture currently of instant gratification. People are enslaved to what they desire. You know, we live in an age where you can get what you want almost immediately. And so there we have lost this ability to control ourselves. You want the new Nike Jordans that come out? Go ahead and buy them. You want the latest PlayStation that comes out? You go ahead and you get it. You see something that you wanna do? You, you wanna go on a holiday in Europe? You go for a holiday in Europe. We live in an age where everything we want, we get. And that is encouraged. But church, there is something, a, a, there is a virtue that we miss when everything about us is instant gratification. It is the virtue of self-discipline and self-control. Let me ask you a question. Are you in control of your body? Or have you surrendered control of your body to something else? Are you able to obey the leading of the Holy Spirit, the commands of His Word, Or do you find that something else has an uncontrollable influence over you? I experienced this for myself. For me, it was um, playing computer games. (laughs) Shameful to say, it sounds so stupid. Now it sounds so stupid. But here's what would happen. I would constantly meet up with friends and we would spur one another on to be more Christ-like, to pursue God. And we would ask questions like, so how's your walk with God? How are your devotions going? How's your Bible reading going? How's your prayer life going? And we'd talk about those things, but inevitably I would find that I would come home and when it came to the choice of how do I spend my time, so it's after work, at that point I didn't have a kid, so I was free as a bird. <laughs> how do I spend my time? I would find myself being drawn to, you know what, let's watch some Netflix. You know what, let's play some computer games. And before I knew it, the night was over, 11 p.m., 12 a.m., oh my goodness, all right, it's time to sleep. And I would have spent no time reading the Word, no time in devotions, no time in prayer. And I thought to myself, no, 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 this is something that this is something that needs to change, and I would try, and I would try, and I would try. But inevitably, every single time, I would find myself drawn towards these things. And what had happened was I had lost self-control. These things had not; these things were not just hobbies anymore. These things were strongholds in my life. I couldn't get past them. And when you think of the most common addictions that people have, what comes to mind? I did a quick Google of it. What things? exert influence and control over people that they cannot live without, even though we should have the ability to do without them. Here are some. Coffee. <laughs> Food. Alcohol or substance abuse. Sex. Materialism and money. Gaming in the internet. Social media. And here's one, hey, our phones. How many of you guys left your house without your phone this morning? Well done! (laughs) One out of a thousand. I love it. But I would be willing to say some of us are so addicted to our phones that you can't even go to the toilet without them. Hey, getting a bit too real in church this morning, hey? Some of you, the first things that you do when you wake up in the morning is you reach over to your phone, you turn off the alarm, and then, Some of you, that was this morning. Am I, am I speaking to anybody here? Getting a little bit too touchy. But hey, you get what I'm trying to get at. What has control and influence over your life? Are these things, do you have control over these things? Or do these things have control over you? Because hey, guess what? Anything that has control over you, anything that you are addicted to, has a stronghold in your life. And in that area of your life, you are unable to use that part of your life to glorify God. Why? Because you have no control over it. If you have no control over it, you, do not, you have no ability to steer it the way that it should go. Your money, if you are a slave to your money, if you are constantly pursuing materialism and wealth and the latest car and the latest holiday and the big nice house, you have no control over your money. You have no control over your career. These things have control over you. They dictate to you what you should do. Instead of you dictating, no, I will use these things to glorify my God. Am I speaking to anybody here this morning? No condemnation, no judgment, but hey, let's take a quick reality check. What has control and influence over your life? What has control and influence over your life? So, the first thing that we can do to offer our bodies back to God, we exercise self-discipline and self-control over our bodies. The second thing that we do is that we should use our bodies as instruments of righteousness and love. Instruments of righteousness and love. Romans 6, verse 13 says this, do not offer any part of your body, of yourself, to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. You know, the book of 1 Corinthians is very interesting because the Apostle Paul, in that um, book, he's, uh, in that letter, he is writing to a church that has gone seriously downhill. They are um, struggling, not even struggling. They are celebrating sexual immorality. There's division amongst the church. They are succumbing to the ways of the world. And to this, he writes, hey, don't celebrate sexual immorality, don't abuse the grace of God. Your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, glorify God with your bodies. In other words, use your body for righteousness, not for wickedness. And then later, he deals with this issue of food that has been offered to idols. And it's a very interesting one if you read it. It's very nuanced, and I don't have the time to explain it in its full depth. But the main point that he deals with is it's actually not about the eating of food. He says the eating of food, the eating of meat that you think may or may not have been offered to idols is actually a matter of conscience. And so whether you should eat or not eat is more to do with whether or not you are stumbling others than whether or not the food in front of you has been offered to idols. And so the underlying principle that he is getting at is love, love, use your bodies. And okay, the famous verse that comes out of it, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it for the glory of God. What is the Apostle Paul saying? He's actually saying, whatever you do, it should be done out of a posture of loving others. Whether you eat or don't eat, whether you drink or you don't drink, you do it in love for others. You see, church, our bodies are meant to be used as instruments of righteousness and instruments of love. So that is the question that I pose to us this morning. How are you using your body? Is it being used for righteousness? Is it being used to love and to serve others? Or is it just being used to serve yourself? In a very practical sense. In a very practical sense, okay. Even church this morning here at the Willerton campus. All right. Are you using your body to serve and love the people next to you? Every time we come together and we gather whether or not it's offering them your seat, buying them a coffee after church, reaching out to somebody who looks lost, who's maybe here for the first time, listening to the car park marshals as they tell you where to park. Ooh, touchy again. (laughs) Getting too real. Are you using your body as an instrument of righteousness and love and service, or have you offered your body to something else? Perhaps it's the fake and false gods of materialism and career and wealth. Maybe it's the false gods of, sexual addiction, the false gods of career and status, whatever it is, what are you using your body as? So th- those are the two things that the Bible teaches us. We are to use our bodies as instruments of righteousness and love, and we are to, use self, we are to exercise self-control, self-discipline, mastery of our bodies so that we can use it to glorify God. Everyone okay so far? Okay, now. Some of you might be thinking, okay, I get it, I get it. Be healthy, take care of our bodies, use our bodies to glorify God, I get it. But what if it's not that simple? What if I've already messed up my health? What if I have a health condition that makes it hard to feel like my health is a gift from God? This morning, we cannot talk about physical health without talking about the great physician church, we serve a God with many titles, many names in the Bible. One of them is Jehovah Rapha, Yahweh, the Lord, our healer. We serve a God who is a healing God. This comes from Exodus chapter 25 verse 26. It says, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord your healer. And we see this idea, this truth, that God is a healing God all the way throughout Scripture. Psalm 103, Praise the Lord my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He who forgives all of your sins and heals all of your diseases. In the Gospels we see example, story after story of Jesus raising the dead, healing the lame, making blind eyes see, opening the deaf ears, making people with leprosy and skin conditions whole again. Brothers and sisters, we serve a God who is our healer, amen? His name is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. And let me tell you something. The Lord is still doing the same thing today. He's still doing the same thing today. Here's something I want you to do. Right now, would you put your hand up if you have personally experienced the miraculous healing of God at some point in your life? Just, just put your hand up, I'm not gonna ask you. Look around. Look around. Testimony after testimony of God's miraculous healing. Now, put your hand up if you have ever prayed for someone and seen God miraculously heal that person. Put your hand up. Look around again. Our God is Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord, our healer. You know, I know of people in this church who have been miraculously healed of many, many things. And not just, you know, aches and pains. Those things are legit, but... Even clear, diagnosable, terrifying things like cancer, people have been miraculously healed of that. People in this church have experienced the healing power of God when there was no way, medically, God miraculously touched them. And with one touch, he healed and restored them. Church, we need to believe that our God is a healing God. Let nobody ever tell you any different. We serve a God who is Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord, our healer, Amen. I'll say it before and I'll say it again till my dying day, our God is a healing God. Now how does this relate to you here today? How does this relate to you here today? Pay careful attention because um, healing is a touchy topic and um, we have to grapple with the reality that God is Jehovah Rapha, but also grapple with other realities that we live in a world which is very broken and we see some things that don't exactly line up with this truth. So let me, let me do my best to, to give us a good picture of, of, of where we're at, okay? In the very beginning, when God created the world, the God, God created it and he said that it was good. In that moment, there was no sickness, there was no death, there was no pain. Sickness and death were not a part of God's original creation. Okay, that's the very beginning. When we go to the very end of the Bible, Revelations tells us that Jesus will come again and that he will establish his kingdom, a new heaven and a new earth. And in that new heaven and new earth, again, no sickness, no death, no pain. Everyone tracking with me so far? Where we are is right here, in between. And what has happened in between is Adam. (laughs) Ever since sin entered the world through Adam, we have been struggling with sin, with pain, with death, and with suffering. And we have seen the effects of it ravage society from the beginning of time. And we see it all around us here today. And that's why even Christians get sick. Christians die. Terrible things happen to good people and to bad people. Why? Because we're in the in-between. We're here. Now, how do we navigate the situation? Well, first of all, we have to remember that in this in-between moment where we are ravaged by sin and we see the effects of sin all around us, there there is a truth that we must hold to. Our God is Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord, our healer. Even though we may see suffering and pain and disease and death here in this lifetime, we serve a God who is the Lord our healer. First thing that we have to remember. The second thing that we have to remember is that there is an end game Jesus Christ is coming again. And so here's the good news if you call yourself a believer, if you are a citizen of heaven, if you are a citizen of that new heaven and earth, let me tell you something your healing is guaranteed guaranteed, 100%, it will either happen to you now here or it will happen to you here when Jesus comes again in the new heaven and the new earth. Your healing as a believer is guaranteed. He heals now, he heals then, he heals forevermore. Can anybody say amen? amen? Now, so what do we do? Because even though we believe we are kingdom uh, uh, citizens of the kingdom, we're here struggling, and we serve a God who is Jehovah Rapha. What does the Bible tell us to do? Because even though we can pray in faith, even though we ask God for healing, we have to grapple with the reality that even the Word of God says, day by day, our outward our out, out, outward man is fading away, is wasting away, but our inner man is being renewed day by day by day. So we know that even though we serve a God who is Jehovah Rapha, one day, all of us in this building are gonna pass away, right? All of us in this building are gonna die, morbid, <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> but it's the truth of the matter. But we need to hold on to the fact and keep an eye on the fact that there is a day that we will be resurrected, that Jesus Christ will come, to get, come again, and He will give us a new body without pain, a new glorified body without sickness, without health. But in the meantime, we should be able to pray in faith. We should be able to ask and to ask without doubting. Let me um, tell you what John Piper says about this. Uh, Okay, let me read you a passage first. Romans 8, verse 23. It describes this condition. He says, Not only so, but we ourselves, we believers, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we eagerly await, as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. What is he talking about? He's talking about... Us, here, right now, in the in-between. We are eagerly waiting for our adoption to sonship. The full redemption of our bodies. Because church, we have to grapple. We grapple every day with this, with this um, tension. The kingdom of God is here, but it is not yet fully here. The kingdom of God is here, it is not yet fully here. And so, does God heal? Here's the question, Here's the question that I want to grapple with today. Does God heal today? Can God heal you in this building? Over in the city campus, watching online, can He heal you today? Absolutely. When Jesus came and He healed people, He healed people to show that there is a kingdom where there is no sickness, no death, no pain. And those moments where He healed people was like the kingdom of God punching into the kingdom of this world and saying, giving you glimpse after glimpse. This is the kingdom. This is the kingdom. This is the kingdom. You can be part of it, you can be part of it. Can God heal you today? Absolutely. And what the Bible tells us to do, even though we have these seemingly opposing contradictions, God is our healer, we serve a God who heals, who treats death and sickness as the enemy, we still have to grapple with death, we still have to grapple with sickness. What do we do? Well, the Bible tells us that we have to pray tells us in James chapter five, he says, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders to pray, anoint him with oil. And the prayer of the righteous will heal. So the Bible commands us, if you're sick, hey, the first thing you need to do, don't, it's not even for you to wonder, is God gonna heal me today? Is God not gonna heal me today? His command to you is pray. And when you pray, you ask without doubting. Ask without doubting. Pray in a posture of faith. My God is a healing God. My God is Jehovah Rapha. My God only has good things in store for me. He has my best in His mind. We pray and we see how God responds. But here's the challenge, here's the challenge. The timing of God's healing is God's timing. The timing of healing is God's timing. We should never presume on God and say, God, you must, you must right now, right now. heal me now. Yes, God can, and sometimes God does. But the timing of God's healing can be now, can be tomorrow, can be next year, can be at the end game. But God's timing is God's timing. He is God, and we are not, amen? So in a moment, what we're gonna do is we're gonna obey the Scriptures. And if you have any form of sickness or a health condition in your body, we want to be able to pray for you. We want to believe in faith in Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our Healer. But before we do that, let me take a quick sidebar. We've been talking about physical health. We've been talking about how we use our bodies. But the Bible also, teaches us that our physical health is important, but it is not as important as the health of our soul. It is not as important as the health of our soul because there is no point, there is no point in God healing you and making you physically well, only for you to die and spend eternity separated from the source of life, Himself. No point. Let me explain. There is a God who cares about your physical health. And Jesus came so that we can have life and life to the full. Physical life, relational life, our mental life, our spiritual life. All these things find their place and their meaning in God. God is the source of life. He is the purpose in life. He is the end goal of life. And the Bible tells us that every single one of us are separated from God by our sin. And because we are separated from God, we are separated from life itself. And we see the effects of this everywhere. We see racism, we see corruption, we see people treat one another badly, we see families breaking apart. Everywhere you look, there is suffering in people's bodies, suffering in people's minds, suffering everywhere you look. But there is good news, and the good news is that God has made a way for each and every one of us to reconnect with the source of life by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. And this is not an idea, it's not a concept. This really happened 2,000 years ago. A man, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, perfect and blameless, went to the cross on our behalf. And this is what He did. He bore the penalty of sin. He took death upon Himself so that we might be reconnected to life and we might have life to the full. And three days later, Jesus rose from the dead to show that death, sin, suffering have no hold on Him and neither does it have to have a hold over you. And this gift of life is free, it's free to whosoever would put their trust in what Christ has did for them. Life to the full is yours if you would believe in Him and entrust your life to Him as our Savior and Lord. So this morning, I don't know what it is or why it is you find yourself under the sound of my voice, but I wanna give us all an opportunity with every head bowed and eyes closed just to say yes I believe that I believe that the author of life gave himself for me so that I could be reconnected to him I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins and that new life is found in him and perhaps you've come into this place and you don't identify as a Christian you wouldn't say that you're a believer this is your opportunity to reconnect with the source of life himself So if this is you, whether it's at the city campus, whether you're watching online, or whether you're here in this building, can I just get you to raise your hand nice and high to say, if this is you, I would like to reconnect with a God who would give me life. If that's you, right now, where you see it, just raise your hand and keep it nice and high. And then we're just gonna pray together. I see that hand right here in the middle. Anyone else? See your hand over here? Some hands down here at the front. Amazing. I see that hand. Here, please allow me to pray church, would you? Would we all pray this together? Say Heavenly Father, I recognize that I am a sinner, that I have been separated from life. I have been separated from you. Today, I believe that Jesus Christ has made a way. I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sin. I believe He rose again. And I believe that I have life in Him. I receive, Lord, your eternal life. Come and live in me. My life is yours. From this day on, I entrust myself to you. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So good.